emotions without identifying with them and be mindful and present and take time to breathe and meditate and put yourself first, be selfish for yourself so you can step into the greatest version of yourself and be that person that can help and inspire and motivate and um, bring everyone up around you that you love and care about. So, um, yeah, that's, that's everything I want to say. Thank you so much, guys. Hey, everyone. It's Alexa here. Um, thank you, Exec Ed. Thank you so much for coming on and being on with us tonight. We're really excited for this one. Um, we're going to be doing them monthly, so get excited for that. Um, a couple things before we start. Um, we're going to not use the chat tonight unless we're in between speakers or if we're um, when it's the Q&A and if you want to talk, you can put your name in and we'll call you, make sure you get the chance to speak, just so we're respectful to all of our speakers um, who took the time to share their stories. And we're gonna, I'm gonna announce the panel right now and a little bit about them. Uh, we first have Dr. Dawn Stacy, who is also on our mental health collection and she's a licensed mental health counselor. We have Monica Goodwin, a clinical social worker. Nick Macron, I hope I said that right, um, Big Brother 21. We have Ben Higgins from Bachelorette Season 11, Bachelor Season 20, Almost Famous podcast co-host. Um, he's the author of Alone in Plain Sight and owner of Generous Coffee. And we also have Blake Hortzman, Bachelorette 14, Bachelor in Paradise Season 6, and host of Behind the Rose podcast. Um, we're really excited to hear what they have to say. And just remember, you guys are completely, we're all strong human beings. Um, we got this. And let's get started with Dr. Dawn Stacy. Oh, hi, everybody. Um, greetings from West Palm Beach, Florida. Um, I think some, some of you were talking about it being cold, but it's definitely not cold down here. But I'm going to talk to you all a little bit about anxiety today because obviously I think we can all agree that these are stressful and anxious times. And how do we manage that anxiety? And what, what does it look like? And when does it become a problem? And it's just important to understand some of the terminology, I guess, and that stress is basically your body's response to demands and pressure. And those demands are your stressors. So when you experience anxiety, that's actually a natural reaction to the pressures that you're feeling and the stress in your life. So it becomes a problem if it starts to interfere with your everyday activities or um, it just becomes more serious. But it's important to understand that anxiety is a totally normal response to stressful situations. And that's the sort of thing that like, when you need to study for a test, you get that extra boost of energy, or you can become extra focused and hyper, you concentrate, that's all anxiety working kind of in your favor. So what do we do when you are feeling really anxious and overwhelmed and you kind of feel like things are out of control is just realizing that you have the power to frame that situation that when you start to allow yourself to think like catastrophically going to like the worst what if scenario you're already like heightening that anxiety for no reason and i, I from my personal life i have a son who has a heart defect and he's had three open heart surgeries and when I start to go there in my mind, where I start to worry, like, 
oh my God, is his heart going to stop beating? Is, you know, he, he's going to be okay. And I start to get all anxious about that. I look at the point that, you know, statistically, he's much likely to get in a car accident with me driving. And that's more likely to happen than his heart to stop beating. So if I'm not going to allow myself to get anxious over every time I get in the car with him, when statistically is more likely that something wrong is going to happen, that it helps ground me in not getting anxious about the what ifs of what you can't control. So, so much of it is just really reframing it in your mind and taking the power away from a situation that feels out of control and, and asking yourself, really, what's the worst that's going to happen? You know, instead of worrying and like, oh no, I didn't get my work done and my project's not going to be done on time. And then you start like freaking out and then you, it starts a whole rabbit hole. You just look at the situation and you're like, you know what? It's going to be a day late. And by just looking at it that way, you take all that power away from it being so terrible and so catastrophic. And so much of managing anxiety is really just reframing your thinking about it. And it's also important, I think, if you do start to feel yourself getting really stressed out and worried to stop, control your breathing, and ground yourself. Um, grounding exercises are probably the best thing that you can do in the moment when you're really stressing out and you're feeling like things are out of control is to focus on things that you can control. You want to focus on your breathing. You want to start to identify objects around you because when you start to do this, it helps your brain recognize where you are. And that brings a sense of comfort to your, to your brain and how you're thinking because when you know where you are and you're familiar in your environment, then you feel a sense of control. So, so much about anxiety is, again, managing that sense of control when you feel out of control and everything's going on around you. What can you do? You ground yourself in the present moment. So one of my favorite techniques that really works well is called the 54321 technique. So when you start to feel yourself getting anxious, just think 54321. You start with five. Look around your environment where you are, stop yourself, take a deep breath, and find five things that you can see and identify them. I see a door, I see a TV, you know, I see a window. Once you've done that, then identify four things that you can feel. So either feel your pillow or feel the um, Then identify three things that you can hear. And then two things that you can smell. And finally, one thing that you can taste. And if you can't find anything in your, in, in your immediate area that you can taste, you can feel like, what does the inside of my mouth taste like right now? Or just imagine, you know, what, what is it, your favorite ice cream tastes like? Because the goal in doing these grounding techniques are to identify the things around you. And when you start to focus on your immediate stuff, what you can feel, what you can touch, what you can see, then you're not going to be focusing so much on the anxiety. You're taking control over that, which will then slow down your heartbeat. It'll help control your breathing and just make you feel overall better and a sense of control. And so much of that is controlling your thinking and grounding yourself in the present moment. And that's half the battle right there when you're really in a, an anxious moment. And if you start to really notice that this is starting to interfere with your day-to-day -day activities or you don't want to go out or you're fearful of going out, I guess my dog wanted to say hello to all you guys. <laughs> she had her two cents worth. Um, 
then that's when it's time to really talk, try to reach out to a professional, reach out to a friend, um, stay connected. You don't want to be in this by yourself. Chances are anybody that you talk to can identify with how you're feeling and you just don't want to be by yourself or be alone and reach out for help and, you know, take control, but realizing that the control, so much of the, the power is in your hands. It's, it, it's reliant on how you're thinking and how you're perceiving the situation. And once you adapt and change your thinking and change your behavior, your emotions will follow suit. So don't give your, everyone thinks, oh no, you know, I'm so upset or I'm so this. So then, and your, your emotions follow how you think and how you act. So if you change your behavior, and change your thoughts, your emotions will follow suit. So just stay calm and stay present. And um, that will get you through, I think, most common everyday type of anxieties that you'll feel. So that's my, my little uh, two cents worth uh, about how anxiety. And you know, I know it sounds a lot easier when, when you hear it than when you're actually in the moment. But really taking that time to ground yourself, especially with the 54321 technique, will really just help you just stop and and just take back the control that you're feeling out of control with, which is typical of when you're feeling anxious. So that's all. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dawn. That was great. I love the 54321. I want to try that next time. I feel like that'll really help. So thank you so much for talking with us about anxiety. Um, we have next, we have Nick from Big Brother 21 talking to us about his story. Hi. Um, so like she said, I'm Nick from Big Brother. I'm also a mental health therapist. Um, I've been working in the field for about four years. Um, and then previously I was working with kids with autism. So I've, you know, had the experiences, but I wanted to sort of tell my own story with my own anxiety, um, how, I overca how I overcame it and such. Um, I didn't have anxiety until I was a sophomore in high school. Uh, my grandfather died. I was fine for like a month. And then all of a sudden I, I started getting like, these bad stomach pains and like my heart was beating fast, but I didn't know what anxiety was. I wasn't able to identify what was going on. So I started to sort of freak out. I was internalizing a lot and I was having all these intrusive thoughts and they were just constantly going and going and going. Um, and it was very difficult for me. I remember I missed nine straight days of school in a row. I missed 28 days from February to June. And it was all based off of me worrying about something that was so unlikely to happen. And one of the things that I talk to my you know, clients about now is possibility versus probability. So is it possible that blank will happen? Yes, but what's the probability? And some, a lot of the times, the things that we're worried about aren't very probable. Sure, they're possible, but the probability is so low that we are what-ifing the situation and we're so far into our head and we're so far into the future, right? Because if we're worried about the past, it's typically sort of depression. If we're worried about the future, it's typically what-ifing and we're worried about, you know, it's more of an anxiety thought. But what was happening... I was putting myself and my body through intense anxiety, worrying about a situation that was going to happen. And then I would get done school. It never would happen. And I would be like, Oof, what a relief. And I'd be not worried anymore until like three hours later when I was like, shit, I got to go to school again tomorrow. So 
it, it was like a vicious, vicious process. I would get myself, would, I would get sick to my stomach um, a lot just because I was so worried. I would just have knots in my, in my stomach. And one of the main, you know, things that's really important to know is that you, by what ifing yourself and constantly living in the future, you're putting your body through the situation as if it's happening. I put my body through anxiety every day of school based off of the situation I was worried about was going to happen, but it never did. So why am I so anxious and experiencing the anxiety as if my fear is happening when it isn't? Right. So it's kind of being in the present. And like I said, I wish I knew probability versus possibility by then. I wish I knew how to look at different alternatives um, like alternative solutions and situations that are more likely to happen. But unfortunately, I didn't have that. Now, what did help me a lot was therapy and talking about it and identifying it. I remember when I was diagnosed with anxiety, it was a relief because I, I had an answer to what was going on. And that was one of the, the big things for me. It was like, you know, we thought it were stomach issues. We, we had no idea what what was going on and getting that answer was amazing and then talking to someone about it was so relieving and you're just in there in sessions and i remember in the beginning my my therapist had a couch and i'd be like lean back like this like so anxious and as i got more confident with myself and, and confident with what was going on i was able to start to come to the roots of why was i anxious and why was i experiencing the things that i did um, and it was influential for me to kind of grow as a person. I think that me experiencing anxiety, for one, helps me be able to relate to my clients. But two, it helps me be able to identify different situations now when I'm anxious. And I know one of the big things for me, um, the first time I was in therapy, they, they told me that you can't have no anxiety because, you know, you want that anxiety. Sorry, my diffuser's in the way. Um, you want, you don't want anxiety. You don't want to experience anxiety. And, and they told me, they were like, Nick, anxiety is good. It has its benefits. And I was like, what? And they're like, well, what makes you worry about studying for a test? Because you're scared if you're going to fail it. And I was like, oh, okay. They're like, what worries you from walking down a dark, um, a dark side street in the middle of the night that you're not aware of? Yeah, because you don't want something bad to happen to you. So anxiety does have its benefits that helps us make better choices. It's what makes us look, you know, across the street both ways. It has its benefits. It's when it becomes significantly impairing to us throughout our day where we're constantly worried or we're worried about something specifically, we're avoiding situations. I think that, you know, that's the big times where our anxiety become overwhelming. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people right now are, you know, anxious with the election. Um, no one really knows what's going on. Um, I've had people, you know, talking about it. It's constantly what everyone's talking about. But one thing that we know is the only thing we control is ourselves, and we can't control any other external factors. We have to just kind of try to be, do our best to be in the moment. And and like the last speaker said, you know, ground yourself and be in the moment. You there's so many different tools. Meditation is a good one. Um, just feeling, you know, focusing on your feet on the ground, right? We're all probably sitting down right now. We're probably not feeling our butt on whatever we're sitting on until I just said it, right? But it's a grounding technique to kind of help you focus. Feel your feet on the ground. Feel your arms on the armrest. Feel your butt on the seat. It helps us be more in the moment. I think that's something that we all need to work on more. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Thank you. That was awesome. Um, Thank you for being courageous and sharing your story with us. We so appreciate it. 
Um, so we're going to actually go into our first round of Q&A. Um, so what we're going to do is anyone that wants to speak, if you want to share a story, if you want to ask a question, just put your name in the chat and we'll start to call on you. Um, you can ask a question to a specific panel member. It could be someone that hasn't maybe spoken yet, but we'll have more time for that. Um, and we got our, and if you're not comfortable talking, you can also just put a question in and we'll, we can ask it for you. Um, our first one is Eilish. If you want to unmute, you're more than welcome. Oh. Um, okay, so hi everyone. I, um, I wanted to speak on something as well as I wanted to ask Nick a question. So I had like a really similar experience, whereas like my anxiety manifested itself physically and I was 14 when I was diagnosed and I went to the doctor because like my stomach was upset all the time and like it happened from a specific time frame and I think a lot of people don't realize that like it doesn't just um, cause us like emotional issues it can also cause us like physical problems like when I had really really severe anxiety attacks that would last for days it was like I wouldn't be able to eat. I ended up in the hospital like multiple times because of how lengthy my anxiety attacks were and um, just me not being able to eat for so long. So I had to go on IVs and it's tough. Like, and I think that it's, yeah, people don't understand that it's more than just anxiety. It, it manifests itself physically. It gets in the way when it's extreme. And, but yeah, and also I really agreed with um, what Nick said, like, we need anxiety to an extent for survival, obviously, but when it's starting to get in the way of our everyday lives, that's when it becomes an issue. Um, so Nick, what I was going to ask you was, um, what was it like going into the Big Brother house with anxiety? Like, did it make you more anxious? Sorry, I was muted. Um, okay. Yes. So <laughs> I would say from, you know, when I had my anxiety, when I was a sophomore, I pretty, it took me like a couple of years, I would say for me to feel like stable enough, um, where my anxiety was like decreased. So going into the big brother house, I would say for like four years prior to that, I was super good. I wasn't really having a lot of anxiety. Um, I've been medicated since I was a junior in high school. So all my medication was great. I felt super comfortable. Um, when I went into the house, you're constantly paranoid. I'm sure Zach can speak on that as well. I don't know how he felt on his season, but it was just constant paranoia, constant anxiety. I do feel that my previous, you know, experiences from when I was in school of anxiety helped me handle that situation after or like during the show. Um, I feel like a lot of my bad anxiety came after the show, just kind of trying to readjust to the world. A lot of people, fan accounts or don't have a picture on their page they're uh they like to talk their talk um yeah, that would be hard I, I wouldn't mind it if it was from a real account but if you're too much of uh i don't want to say coward but uh i guess i'm going to use that word to like just speak your mind from your actual self then i just don't really have respect for that but it does get to you it hurts um so i was messed up for a little bit with that and it's like a lot of trauma to kind of get over with and to deal with and you know, I just deactivated my Instagram like a couple months ago because I was just kind of over it. So I think it kind of just comes and goes. I think that, yes, it was difficult for me uh, initially. 
Um, but being on the show, I feel like, yes, you're anxious, but it's everyone was, if you're not paranoid in that house, like God bless you because like you never know who to trust. Like the only person you can trust is yourself. I was HOH and I was nervous. So like there's, I don't really feel like that it was going to go away. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. And honestly, like I am like, this is just coming from me as, sorry, Alexa, can I say something else? Can I just respond? Okay, perfect. (laughs) Um, me as like from a regular person's perspective, not that you guys aren't regular people, but I haven't been on TV. And I just think like, that's so amazing that you were able to overcome that with like, you know, when I was in high school and people were making little tweets about me, I like couldn't handle it. So I just, I'm, I'm very, very like proud. And just, that's so amazing that you were able to overcome that and realize like, Hey, you know, I'm better than this. I don't need to listen to these people, especially when half of them were like, not even real accounts. So yeah, thank you for sharing. Yeah, there's just to piggyback off of what Nick said. I mean, being in the big brother house, obviously, there's a lot of emotions flying high. And, you know, I was kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum in the sense that I was just having fun. And I was just being super present. And like, I was, I thought I was at summer camp. You know, I was not trying to win. I didn't have a strategy. I was just making friends with Frankie and Cody and Caleb and Derek and playing pool and dancing around. I mean, if you guys watch Big Brother, I was just like dancing and acting like a fool the whole time. So I didn't have any anxiety, but after the show is when I got really impacted in a negative way where there was just a lot of attention on me and it kind of got to my head. I mean, it definitely got to my head. And uh, then I got super depressed because I felt like I failed. I felt like I had such an opportunity, you know, everyone's telling me, oh, you should do this, do that, move to LA. like oh my gosh, become famous, all this. And I'm like, okay, yes, great. I want to do that. And I tried really hard to do that. And in the process, I did a lot of stuff that is extremely cringeworthy. And I made a lot of choices that I would later regret. And I burned a lot of bridges that, you know, didn't need to be burned. And it was all my fault. But at the time, I didn't see it that way because everyone's telling me that I'm this and I'm that, you know, and it wasn't really who I was. And I got super depressed once the next season came around because you know, the bookings email went dry and I felt like I failed and I was 26. I spent all my money from Big Brother living with my parents. Didn't even have a car at the time. And I hit rock bottom. And and then, you know, and I don't want to go too deep in my story, but long story short is like, just started reading books, started meditating, and then just got 1% better each and every single day. And now I'm in a good spot mentally. And I'm, I'm glad to see that Nick is in a, in a great spot too. It's not an easy world, especially coming off of Big Brother. And obviously, we're super grateful for the opportunity, but um, we just weren't ready for it. Yeah, I can only imagine, like, from listening to you guys, I've obviously never been in that world, or but it's just, like, it's it's hard. Like, I can just only imagine. You guys, I like to piggyback on that, too, because obviously, Zach and Nick's stories are are heightened because of their celebrity. But what they went through is something that we all go through with social media and maybe not to the same extent, but you have the people who are gonna say negative things about you um, or they're gonna show you know, their best life ever and it's not an accurate representation of how people are li- living and feeling. So 
it's important to not give your power away by feeding into the, that stuff and to realize that, again, you have that control and you don't have to give these people that power to make you feel bad. You, no one can make you feel bad. You're the only person that can allow yourself to feel bad. It all rests back with the choices that you make for yourself. And you can consciously make that choice when you get on social media. I'm not gonna let these people get to me because that's your power. And when you need to just protect that power and that when you do that, you just have a different perspective because again, you feel more in control of what's going on in your life. And you just realize that, you know, that's not necessarily, you're, you're, you're getting, you know, definitely just little bits of reality when you're looking at people's Instagram and their Facebook that people aren't going to be really posting about, you know, the most depressing thing that's ever happened to them and things like that. So realizing that it's not that everyone else is okay and you're not okay. You know, you're probably feeling pretty similar to most people and to realize that we all have more of those commonalities together than the differences. So, so what I'd like to add. We like your two cents. <laughs> Alexa. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you guys for sharing. We, so our next one that want us, wants to speak is Adrian. So we're gonna give the floor to him. Hi, um, hello, my name is uh, Adrian. My last name was Doralis. And I wanted to, to share my story and uh, and uh, I was being very, and my diagnosed is um, autism spasm disorder. When I graduated high school and in uh, the Dan Marino Foundation campus, and um, I would I would love to say that. Um, I was being hard for her, I was being blessed. I was being like, I was very, and my diagnosed very autism spasm disorder. I was um, very a young, young childhood. And um, I definitely like, um, it, it really kind of really like nervous to me. It, it kind of like, um, I wanted to ask, um, I wanted to say that uh, Nicholas on uh, the Big Brother 21, right? And um, yeah. yeah, I would like to say, um, um, Nicholas, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I would like to say that, um, I was being, I would like to share my story because I was being gay. Like, I was very, very bad. Uh, but they, I was bullied. They, they pick on me. They're trying to call me a faggot and faggot, nigger, all that stuff. They're trying to call me an N-word, all that kind of, that kind of really bothers me. They kind of really step up to the plate. That kind of really, kind of hurt me. It really bad because of the Black, Black Lives Matter movement because I definitely like I was very hurtful. I'm like I I would like to say that um I'm finna go ask you some questions, um, Nicholas. Um do you um 
had a career and we had when you had a career and uh the big brother 21 on on the tv show what i'm sorry i'm not sure what your question is oh oh that's right um are you having a, a reality tv show of your career of the big big brother 21 oh are you like asking me if i want to continue to do like reality tv yes uh no not really to be honest with you um I feel like my experience was so fun while I was in the Big Brother house, but um, just the intensity of, you know, the fans when I got off, you know, fan is short for fanatic, and I think we forget that sometimes. Just with the live feeds and how everything works on that show and not being able to make one mistake, I think it was so tough for me that I could just only imagine, you know, going on to another show and getting off and just the scrutiny. It's just... For me, not worth it. I know what I want to do. I don't want to be a reality TV star. I want to be a mental health therapist, and I want to continue to help, you know, kids. And that's more important to me than anything. So, oh, yeah, yeah. And I was being hurtful. Like I was um being hurtful. Like I definitely like. And I hope you hear about your story. I hear. I hear mine. I hear about like. They trying to tell me like you're a nigger. You call me. You call me that. And I mm-hmm. said, I said what? I said you know. I said that was a racist thing I ever seen a racist comment in my life. Sure. And, yeah, they they posted me on an Instagram trying to call me fat, call me a a slut, yeah. whore, bitch. They trying to call me all the types of things. Yeah, I know that's very difficult to have words thrown at us um, when people are bullying us. Obviously, I'm not black, so I'm not sure what it's like to experience being racially profiled like that. I'm sorry that you had to experience that, and I'm sorry I'm that too. I'm very sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's you're definitely in the minority when it comes to that. So people are very judgmental and like to voice their own opinion when it's not really needed. So I'm sorry that you're going through that. Um, just know that most of the time these people are hurting so bad that they try to put other people down just so they feel better about themselves. Don't let them bring you down as a person. If you're happy with being gay, then embrace it and love that and love yourself. There's nothing wrong with it. You were born that uh, way and don't let yeah, other I, people <laughs> you down. Adrian, you are a warrior. You've been through so much, and you continuously show so much strength. Proud of you, dude. I'm definitely, like, I definitely, like, when I've been going through, like, I'm not gonna, my family won't accept me to who I am because I, I would like to interject. Yeah. I'm a retired teacher for went to Detroit Public Schools for over 30 years. I taught everyone. I taught, and let me just tell you something, sweetie. You are a human being. It doesn't matter about this. It matters what's in your heart. And if you have a mm-hmm. heart of gold, don't let those people bother you. Even though it's the hurt, most hurtful thing you could ever experience. But when we bleed, we bleed the same. And these people are ignorant fools. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm very right. 
and adamant. Right. And, I, and I will go there. I will right, go. Right, right. Because you are a beautiful human being. Thank you. And, and remember that. It doesn't matter if you're gay, if you're straight, nothing. You are a human being. Right. You were born into this world a human being. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And if anybody has to judge you, I'm going to tell you something. Like I told my kids when they were growing up, it's about jealousness. They're jealous of you because you are the gold, and they don't. And I always remember this. It doesn't, you don't, and you know what? You have to love yourself and love yourself. And mm, once that happens, right. you'll go a lot further in this world. You rock, Adrian. That's all I got to say. Good job. Oh, thank you. For your family, Adrian. Oh, thank you. You're one of the strongest people I've met. Yeah, I'm about to wear a hat. And you're a handsome young man. Let me just tell you that. Thank you. With a heart of gold. Good job, Adrian. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for sharing, Adrian. We really appreciate it. And the strength that you've shown, you make me want to be stronger every day. So thank you. Um, would Mason like to share? Sure. First off, that was so sweet. My, it touched my heart. <laughs> um, love that. Um, Eilish and Nick, I really responded to your stories. Um, Y'all can hear me okay, right? Yes. Okay. I'm using really cheap headphones because I'm broke, so I never know if people can hear me. Anyways, I really responded to y'all's stories because, um, yeah, I was diagnosed with um, anxiety also, and before I was, I always thought anxiety was just something like normal nervousness, um, but then I started getting really, really tight pains in my chest. And growing up with, like, a mom that freaks out about anything, I, I just automatically thought I was going to have a heart attack, even though I was, like, 14 and in decent health. Like, obviously, I wasn't. Um, <laughs> but anyways, um, I just remember how confining that feeling can be, like, um, of anxiety. It almost felt like it's... I don't even know how to explain it. It's just very, it makes you feel weak. And I hate that. Um, anyways, what up, Nick? My question's for you. Uh, I know you are a mental health therapist. Um, what thing, how do you use your experience with like mental health and everything you've gone through to help others? Like, is there any like special technique you use or any way specifically you use your own experiences in order to benefit like your patients or anyone you talk to sure i i feel like uh, and thanks for the question i feel that a lot of my experiences so i've i've had anxiety i've gone through my bouts of depression um i've experienced trauma after the show so yes i do feel that them experiences have been able to help me one because i persevered and i know if i could do it anyone else can I also tried to use some of the things that worked for me. Now I do know that some of the things that work for me aren't going to necessarily work for other people, but um, I try my best to use my own experiences to see, okay, what, what happened with me? What was I going through? How did this work? And then I try to implement it 
um, with, with that person. So if someone has something kind of specific to what I went through, I feel like I can relate to them more. Um, you know, feeling you're having your patient feel like you understand what they're going through. A lot of people like, don't feel like they're heard or the saddest thing to me is when people go, I'm sorry for saying this, but, and it's like, well, why are you apologizing to me for expressing your feelings? And the reason behind that is because so many people have been like, oh, you'll be fine or get over it, right? Mm -hmm. They kind of are so dismissive to other people's feelings that people feel they have to apologize to share how they feel. And it's so sad. Um, so, yeah, I just try to use my own experiences to help other people. I try to use, you know, all of the schooling that I've had. Um, I feel like every sort of experience is beneficial to use. I mean, it's just more knowledge. Yeah. Did that answer your question? Oh, absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate it. And yeah. And Eilish, you leave the Twitter handles of the people that came for you. Trust and believe they'll be dealt with. I'm just kidding. Honestly, I don't even remember them. I deleted my Twitter, but then people would send me like little screenshots. I'm like, why are you sending me this? Like I deleted Twitter for a reason. So I laugh. At least you're on their mind. That's all yeah. I got. I know that's that's the thing. I was so I was like famous in their mind. I was famous. <laughs> I love that for you. Thank you, Mason. Um, and I also wanted to say thank you to Lizzie for sharing and talking with Adrian. We so appreciate it. Um, I know we have a few more names, but we're gonna. You guys will be the first couple in the next round because we are going now into our next um, speaker which is Monica Goodwin, but you guys will be the first couple in our next round. Hi. You guys are enjoying it all. <laughs> well, I wanna thank everybody for speaking. Um, Mason, I liked what you had to say. I liked what everybody had to say. And as we can tell, um, the human condition is messy and it can be difficult. And we have anxiety and we have sadness and there's so many emotions that we experience through an everyday life that sometimes it can be a little bit confusing as to when it goes from sadness which is very normal to depression which is not normal so the signs of depression as opposed to sadness are when a loved one passes away you mourn you grieve but there's a period of time that you're normalized in doing so. And when it goes past that period of time and it goes into weeks, months, years, you're no longer in a normal phase of emotion. You're now into a depressive state. And depression, there's a, there are a lot of different depressions. There's postpartum depression. There's bipolar depression. So when you talk about depression, there are a lot of different sub parts to depression. But today, I think we're just going to talk about clinical depression. And what that is, is a prolonged state of real sadness, longer than two weeks, you feel hopeless, you feel helpless, you do not see a light at the end of the tunnel. And when people are experiencing this type of overwhelming change in their normal life, it can really have a terrible impact on, on them and on the people that love them. So I think it's really important for people to be aware of the signs, whether they're young, whether they're seniors, 
they will all come together with a clear pattern of symptoms. So if, um, if you're young or somebody you love is still um, in school, you want to look to see whether or not they are changing in wanting to go to school, whether or not their relationships with their family members and their friends have changed, whether or not they've become more clingy, and whether or not they're staying in their rooms. You want to see a change in their behavior, and if it doesn't seem like they are acting the way they used to, you need to be aware of that. Um, unfortunately, the third leading cause of death in young people is between the ages of 10 and 24. So depression can really hit at a young age and it can have serious consequences. Um, in young adults, you wanna see if they're dealing with relationship issues. When, when you're in high school, everything seems to be the end of the world. But for some people, it really feels like it's the end of the world. So you wanna keep your communication open with your teenagers. You wanna make sure you're always asking them, are you okay? How are things going with your friends? How are things going with school? If you see that there's a change in their behavior with drugs or alcohol, if they're wanting to rebel against all the rules that used to apply to them, um, you wanna kinda just keep a good eye on whether or not they're showing signs of depression. For middle-aged people, there are a lot of stressors and financial stressors. They may be going through their own physical problems that um, are creating anxiety. Um, they may be going through a divorce. Their children have left the house. They're now empty nesters. So there are a lot of triggers that can cause uh, a depressive episode. And you wanna be aware of it and you wanna seek help. And that's the one key that I think is extraordinarily important is that you go and you get the necessary help. The first thing is to go to your primary care physician because there are certain illnesses that can mimic depression. Um, if you have a thyroid problem, if you have a hormonal um, imbalance, they can mimic the signs. So you wanna eliminate physical problems before you are working towards what it is. You get rid of what it isn't. And then once it's established that maybe you are suffering from depression, there are medicines that can help and there are mental health experts that can deal with cognitive behavioral therapy or psychotherapy. There are a myriad of um, different therapies that can help somebody that's going through a depressive episode. I'm gonna list the signs again so that everybody is clear as to what to look for. When someone is suffering from depression, it is a prolonged sense of hopelessness. It is a dark, unending, painful tunnel that they can't get out of. And when you say to them, you can snap out of it, it's not that easy. You can't snap out of it. If they could, they would have. So you need to be aware of that. Um, there can be a change in weight, weight gain, weight loss. There can be difficulty in sleeping or um, concentrating. There really is just this feeling of hopelessness. So you wanna make sure that anybody that you know that you care about, you get to the proper channels of help, and that would be to take them to their primary care physician, have them evaluated, and then they can put them on the road to getting the necessary mental health that they need.
before I leave, I want to stress that there is a suicide prevention line. The number is 1-800-273-8255. Everybody should have that written down so that if they need it, they can be there. But I want to make sure that people know that they shouldn't make a permanent decision for a temporary problem because depression can be helped and no one is ever alone. Thanks. Thank you so much, Monica. Um, we're also gonna put that in the messages or in this chat in a little bit too. So if anyone doesn't have it, we'll have it for you. Um, but I agree with what everything you said and I think it is so important to, for people to be more empathetic and understand like you can't just snap out of something. You can't. And until you're in that position, you'll, you really, people don't understand. And there's a confusion between when does sadness become depression, but there's really a normal, a normal um, kind of flow to situational sadness. You, there are triggers. You understand that that's a normal, you know, feeling. You don't want to numb yourself to feelings, but there is a time frame that once it goes past a two-week period of time, if you still can't pull yourself out and you have no, um, no energy and you're really feeling very hopeless and helpless, then it's time to look at um, an alternative reason. Well, thank you. We so appreciate you coming on. And thank I think you. it is such an important thing to know the difference for loved ones or for yourself. So right. thank you. Thank you. Um, and we will be going into Ben Higgins from The Bachelor. All right, is it working? I'm here. You're all good. <laughs> yeah, good. You can hear me? Yep. Hey, Ben. Uh, well, hey, Alexa, thanks for putting this together. Um, and for all of you that helped put this together, this is incredible. I just scrolled through um, all of the people who are on this uh, as I was kind of waiting. And uh, it's something special when this many people can get together to talk about something so important. Um, you know, I just... Uh, this is gonna come off super self-promoting, and in a sense it is, um, so deal with it for a second. But um, I just actually announced a book I've been re uh, working on for two years. Um, and it started uh, for me once, uh, when I was on uh, The Bachelorette, uh, a producer came to me once, um, along Gale, and I think we'll have a couple other people from the show that will come on and talk here in a second, so they'll know who I'm talking about. He's a, a really like smart, um, super charismatic dude. And uh, if you look him up on Instagram, he has like wild hair, super intimidating. He's like five foot tall. Um, but he, uh, he came to me once he goes, Hey, I don't like you. And I, and, and I um, at this point was like super insecure and didn't really know what I was doing in the first place. He goes, I don't like you. Cause I don't know you. You don't let me get to know you. So we sat for four hours that night and we talked and through that conversation, I realized because I felt safe that was one thing I want to highlight is I felt safe in that conversation with him um, that I admitted that I, I had never felt likable uh, or lovable. I think I said on the show, but I never felt likable. I never thought like anybody would understand me, that I always felt misunderstood um, that I never felt like I connected. I, I, I explained like this. I always felt I always, and I, and when I say always, I mean, always, I don't want this to be brushed off as like, Oh, of course you did sometimes. No, I always 
in all situations felt like the kid looking through the window at the party that I wasn't invited to. Um, but all my friends were inside and it was a struggle that I had kind of like hidden, pushed down and through that I admitted on the show. And so when I got off the show, I'll, I'll, I'll speed through this real quick. Um, and it was finally shown on television. I started to get hundreds of thousands of messages and like, that's not a, like a hundreds of thousands of messages from people saying, I feel the same way. I feel the same way. Uh, I relate with you. Uh, and so I started writing just like my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions down at that point. Well, two years later, I, I finally finished and I came out with this book called alone in plain sight. And I say all of this to say this, the whole point of the book is about connecting with yourself, with others romantically and with God. And as I look at all these people on here tonight, I, I realize that like what I've been craving, hoping for is happening right here that I hope everybody can take a second and realize that uh, the people on this call. And as Monica said, like we're human, you know, we, we, life is, is hard. We, we, we can't process a lot um, that there's always new obstacles, new scenarios, new things coming in the way that shift our worldview and shift what's comfortable to us. And it, and it, and especially if we're in a mentally vulnerable state, like that can wreck us. It, it confuses us and it puts us in different emotional places that can be detrimental. And the one thing that we can always lean on is you're not alone in those feelings. Um, I want to start with that, that, that I hope tonight is a, is, is proof to everybody on this, that you're never alone. Um, that if you are feeling anxious, if you are feeling depression, if you are feeling bullied, confused, what, it, like you're never alone in that, that there's other people out there feeling the same way. And maybe it is that our pains and our struggles is what connects us the best. You know, we can celebrate each other. And I think that's important, but it, maybe it's just me, but it's sometimes hard to celebrate uh, other people. Uh, I want to, I want to see what's best for them. I want to see them thrive and, and have success. But what really connects us is the fact that we all have pains. We all have struggles. Uh, and that leads us to what I want to talk about tonight, just for a few moments is um, I'm actually still uh in, in, in counseling, one of the most uh, hurtful things in my life is that people um, dismiss this and they say, Hey, like you have no reason to be struggling. Right. Um, I, about a year ago, started to wake up at three o'clock in the morning at not random. I want to say, but consistently every night uh, in deep sweats and panic attacks, like jumping up out of my bed, heart racing, sweats coming down my face, um, all over my body, deep thoughts, deep fears. It put me in a place of, um, uh, I I'm, I'm a former addict, um, which nobody really knows. Uh, I had a, a, an addiction to, to opioids for years of my life. And, um, it put me in a place to want to result back to that because it numbs it, 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 it it makes me feel nothing. And I think at the time, at least for the first six months of this, it's what I wanted to feel. I wanted to feel nothing. I wanted to, to um, fall away from this world. I, I didn't want to be here. Um, and these panic attacks finally led me to a place uh, where I asked for help. And one of the crucial moments in, in, of working through that, I'm still working through that. And I still have panic attacks and I still, I sleep better. Um, they're not as common. Uh, but I'm still working through that. And, and one of the things that I realized during this time is I started to really break down any facade, any 
anything uh, that I was trying to portray to the public or to my friends and family is when I started to get honest and vulnerable, what I realized is that I matter. And what, if I matter, you matter. Um, all these stories, these personal stories tonight uh, are impactful because they're your story and they're what you're dealing with. And I think it was uh, Nick uh, or, or somebody that spoke and said, Hey, you know, my struggles have helped me uh, uh, relate and have empathy for those who are struggling with the same thing. Um, that is an amazing, amazing statement. Um, because I think it's so true is as I started this whole thing, I talked about connecting with others. Well, what we realized on this call tonight is that all of us have struggled with something and that other people need you. And if other people need you, then it means that you matter, that no matter what you're feeling and no matter how much you're struggling, and I, and I don't want to dismiss that, the and I'm not in this alone. Uh, I know that my panic attacks, that my anxiety, whatever you want to call it, uh, help me look at people on this call and say, not only do I get it, but I'm here for you. I don't know if I can fix it. I'm not going to claim to fix it. Maybe Monica can, um, <laughs> but I can't. But what I can do is sit beside you and say that you're loved, you're important, that we need you, that you have a role in this world and that your struggles are what empowers you also connects you and also brings you value in this world. And I hope you never forget that, that no matter how hard this gets, no matter how deep this gets. Um, and I can't speak to that and I, and I don't want to even try that no matter how hard or how deep this gets for you, that you're never alone. That you're always worth it. And that other people need you as a sounding board and a voice for them to know that they're not alone in this world. That's really what I want to share. Because uh, what I'm learning right now, it's where I'm at, is just realizing that I do matter, that I do have worth, that maybe quite possibly I could be the kid inside the room with the other people, sharing who I am, uh, enjoying who I am, and being myself around them, and trying my best to be a better man tomorrow than I am today. Um, I hope also that the reality that, you know, I don't, I don't know uh, yet like that as a former addict um, and uh, as somebody has recovered from that, but also somebody that has, you know, struggled still consistently with panic attacks um, that you can maybe look uh, at my story and, and hopefully relate with me um, and hopefully see me as an equal and somebody that I need you as well. Uh, and I need calls like this. So um, that's it. I appreciate you all. This is great. Alexa, nice job. And for all of you that put this on, this is really incredible. And, uh, and I hope, uh, I, I guess I'm excited to hear what else is up tonight. Thank you so much, Ben, for putting your heart out on the line and sharing your story. It, I think just one person, I think at least one person was definitely touched. I for sure am. Um, it's helped me even to see things in a different way. So thank you. Let me just jump in here real fast. Ben, you're in the room with us. So uh, thank you. Yeah. 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 You're not looking in. You're part of it. So thank you. And I just want to also touch base on you know, that the fact that we are dealing with COVID and we're so isolated physically, I think this is a tremendous opportunity to at least feel 
connected to other people in a time when we feel so so alone physically we yeah. so yeah i agree yeah it's a weird time um but yeah well this is great i appreciate y'all thanks for letting me come on thank you yay bud yay Woo! <laughs> You're definitely in the room now. Yeah, <laughs> got a couple of claps. Even on mute, I got some claps. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you got the silent cheer. You got the <laughs> golf clap. <laughs> um, so we're going to actually now get into our next um, Q&A. So we're going to start with the people that we didn't get to last time, but still keep um, putting your name in if you want to say anything, ask questions, whatever it is. So we're going to start this time with Amanda. Right here. Hi, Alexa. Uh, I, was, I was talking about depression, and I, it made me think of back when I, back way back when I was in high school. I was picked on for my weight and for being, because I am also on the autism spectrum. Then it took when I got picked on. Everybody was like saying that I was fat, ugly. They didn't want to go out somebody who was on the spectrum then all of a sudden i ended up taking my i ended up doing things that i shouldn't have done like drank and in my own life but now as a survivor i got through it all by doing taekwondo by doing things i love not worrying about the past in my life anymore and now i'm recommending the black belt to prove it Great. That's it's good. amazing. You keep doing that and you are a survivor. I am. You are badass. <laughs> so that's my story. Well, thank you. You're welcome. And you know what? That's only a piece of you. That's only a little part of you. That's, and that's what makes you you. Oh, thanks, Ed. So, thank you. You're welcome. Um, I think Cameron is up next. No questions, haha. Cameron, uh, did you want to still talk? Oh, no questions. Never mind. Um, all right. I think the next one. Oh my gosh, there's. Christy. Dave had a question. Hey, and then Christy too, I think. So you want yeah. Christy, you want to go first and then we'll go to Dave. Hi, how are you guys? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I think that it's um, interesting how everyone kind of talks about like how mental health is so um, like open these days and you have platforms like this. Um, when I was, I'm 27 now and I was 15 when um, I first start, I didn't even know what anxiety was. I don't think I knew like anything about it, barely the word. I mean, I knew like nervousness and that, but not any extent until I was 15. And I started feeling like I didn't even know what I was feeling, I guess. Just super not in the moment. Like everything was just always blurry. I felt like I wasn't real kind of that kind of sense. Um, I think it started cause I liked I like this guy kind of thing. And anytime I was around him, I would like freak out. And then it kind of just snowballed. 
And um, I mean, I, I got to the point, I mean, everything was just super hard, like going to school, going out of my house, going to my best friend's house. I was just always afraid I was going to panic and have some kind of, you know, issue where I couldn't leave because I was super afraid that uh, what if I have panic and I can't leave and, you know, I embarrass myself and think that was always like my narrative in my head of not being able to get out of the situation. And I mean, I've battled with this stuff for years and I mean, I've seen therapists and stuff and knock on wood, thankfully, I mean, there's been so much awesome help out there that really does help and does work because I mean, I've been super, super low at points where I, I really felt like I might, like, how could my mind get out of this? I didn't understand, but you really do and you really can. Um, and I think that even now I just still struggle with like the situation of doing something and being, being stuck or being afraid of, you know, like a plane, planes are very hard because, you know, if I freak out, I feel like obviously I can't leave or, um, you know, like really new situations where I know once it happens, you can't get out of it. Um, like I'm in the process of moving. So kind of just scary uh, to come to the new house and like once you're there that's it like you can't go back to your old house like, like that one's gone and that one or even really just anything in life um, so I guess my question to really anybody is how you think the best way to do those new situations and deal with it and process it if you are panicking or or anything like that when you know you really can't leave um, but kind of still have to do those things in life. I mean, even, you know, even in life, like pregnancy, married, like all that stuff, once you, other than marriage, you can leave that one. But once, <laughs> you know, if you really need to, but like all those like things that you kind of feel like, uh, once you do it, like that's it. Um, so yeah, I don't know if anyone has any advice for that. Thanks, Christy. <laughs> I want to just pitch in real quick and say that it's really relatable. Um, anxiety, like having anxiety about anxiety. Oh, like, oh, like, what if I have a panic attack? What if I'm anxious about this? So, yeah, I just want to say that I related to that. And thank you for sharing. No problem. Yeah, that's like, the, I think that's one of the biggest, one of the biggest things, um, even that I hear from people, sometimes you're just, you're afraid of it happening. And that's what stops you from doing so much. Yeah. Yeah. That happens to me a lot. I wouldn't go out or anything. Cause I was like, well, what if I panic and I can't get home? And like, it was easier for me if I, um, would drive somewhere and then I'd be like, okay, I can leave whenever I want. And that was like one of my coping mechanisms. But when you like, don't have your own way to go, it's really, it's really tough to just sit with the uncertainty. Yeah, exactly. I, I was even afraid to, um, when I was young, you know, that I was 17, 18, 19, I didn't drive till I was like 20 because I was too nervous to get into a car. And I'm like, well, what if I'm panicked while I'm driving and I crash and blah, blah, blah. Now it's the opposite. Now I'm like, if I don't have my car, I'm like, oh my God, like don't take my car away from me. So it's, it's crazy how your anxiety will kind of just shift. You can cure it, yeah. but then it just shifts to something else. Mm -hmm. I actually don't think that all anxiety goes away. I mean, I think that, that everybody struggles with, with anxiety and I'll be honest. I was anxious about doing this today. I mean, I'm a professional and I still felt a little bit nervous and anxious about it. I know some of the greatest, um, there's an author and, and she's a, a speaker, a TED speaker. Her name is uh, Brene Brown. I don't know if any of you have heard of her. Um, she's 
she sold millions of books. She speaks to thousands and thousands of people in stadiums. And she said the one thing that kept her from really doing it was that she was so panic stricken about, about doing it that she didn't, the anxiety was preventing her from being able to do it. And a lot of Barbara Streisand, she wouldn't go on tour because she had stage fright. And she, she just couldn't bear the thought of, of, of panicking in front and, and forgetting her words. And I mean, it's such a common, common thing that people are afraid of what, what's the worst case scenario. And sometimes you just have to take some deep breaths and push your way through it because once you begin the process of doing whatever it is that you're afraid that you won't be able to do you actually are doing it and you will survive it and you will be done it that's just yeah that, i definitely do agree from all my experiences it's so true until but there's always just that one thing that it's definitely hard to keep you got to keep going but yeah it's easier said than done but definitely help you know it's really empowering once you kind of can do it and I also wanted to say too is similar to like what you guys were saying earlier about like being afraid that you're not going to get home and stuff that used to be in me in college. Um, like going out with friends. I'm like, what if I, they want to stay longer than I do? Like I always had that anxiety. Um, and then one thing I learned in therapy too, I think is being able to actually feel, I used to always want to distract myself from the anxiety feeling. Um, rather it's reading or doing whatever. And I've learned it's actually better sometimes to f let it come. And eventually you can get through, like you kind of get through it at some point and then eventually might come back. But I've just learned it's good to feel those emotions. I agree, Alexa. It's really, um, I was the same way that I was like, oh, what if they don't want to leave at the same time I do and I'm panicking or something like that. I think a big, um, what's really important is to make sure, especially if you're someone with anxiety, make sure you're going out with people that you trust, people that you know are going to have your back. If you're like, hey, I want to leave right now, they're going to come with you, right? Because like we would be that person for other people. We would want, yeah, like we would obviously want other people to do the same so thank you for sharing or have an exit plan yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i piggyback off of something that you said too about accept like acceptance um that's such a big thing especially that i've learned to deal with my own anxiety i feel like a lot of the times why we continue to have this perpetuating anxiety is because we try to avoid or deflect the anxiety um when we have like other feelings such as happiness, anger. We don't really ever question why we're feeling that. Someone cuts us off while we're driving. We might get a little bit mad. We may get angry for like five minutes and then it goes away. Why does it go away? Well, it goes away because that feeling of anger, we just accept it and then let it go because it's not uncomfortable. But when it comes to like anxiety or depression, that feeling is so awful in your chest and in your head, all them thoughts, and you just want it to go away. So you try to deflect it and pretend that it's not there. And then what happens? It bottles up, bottles up, bottles up. And eventually it comes, it has to come out and it explodes. You know, in therapy, we typically use, I, I use the soda bottle example. So what, ha you know, if the soda is your feelings and your bottle, what happens when you shake it up? Well, it's, it's going to explode. It has to, it doesn't have any, any way out. So for me, it's sitting with my anxiety is something that we say. So like sitting there and just accepting, hey, listen, I'm anxious right now. I'm on a date right now and I'm anxious. And guess what? That's okay. It's normal. It's normal. 
I was a little bit nervous today. It's normal. I'm sure everyone else was too, you know, like just sitting there and normalizing and be like, you know what? It's normal for me to feel anxious like this, sitting with it instead of trying to pushing that feeling away and just being like, you know what? I'm anxious right now and it's okay. And then eventually it does go away. And you know, it used to take me a while for it to, to go away like 30 minutes, but now I've kind of yesterday because sit, I'm, you know, I've worked so hard on sitting with my anxiety and my uncomfortable feelings that after like five minutes now, my, my anxiety kind of just goes away. So that's a huge thing is acceptance. Yeah, that's awesome, Nick. I wanted to add just a little thing that um, just really quickly, what one of my counselors taught me was think about your emotions as like the Winnie the Pooh characters, right? So if like we can think of anxiety as like the rabbit, I don't, hopefully everyone's seen Winnie the Pooh, <laughs> but so it was like the anxiety character was the rabbit. So it's like um, visualize like the rabbit coming to your door and like frantically knocking on your door. You're not going to like keep the door closed. You're going to let this, you're going to let the rabbit in. And eventually once he calms down, he'll go away. And so like, that's kind of the, it's the same with your anxiety. It's the same with any emotion. You have to feel those emotions. You have to let those emotions in and you have to sit with them and allow them to be there. Cause if you keep shutting them out, if you keep locking the door, they're going to keep knocking and trying to get in. So you got to let them in and then they'll go away. That's so funny. I have the same kind of scenario that my counselor, my therapist has said the same thing years ago, except instead of Winnie the Pooh, it was a giant gorilla. So same kind of thing. But if a giant gorilla comes into your room, you're not going to sit there and you're not going to try to fight it. You're going to just kind of let it be there and leave it alone and move on with your day. But you're not going to fight it because when you fight it, you're not going to win. You're so, not uh, to fight against the gorilla. <laughs> That's against the giant gorilla. You're not. You're not going to fight it. So, and if you yeah. do try, you're not going to win. So, very similar. So that's very cool. How you know people have the same kind of awesome. Um, other people can use that strategy yeah. as well. It's super helpful. And um, just to jump in real fast too is to practice self care and self compassion when you're going through moments like that. Like not to put yourself down. And treat yourself the way you would treat a friend. And tell, talk to yourself the way you would talk to a friend. So when you are go, going through those negative feelings, you're not, you're not like hurting yourself or doubt, doubting yourself or being mean to yourself about it. But just being compassionate to what you're going through and knowing that it's okay. And it should pass. Not being afraid of that. Thank you guys for sharing. Um, we're gonna actually go into our last speaker, but then we're gonna have another Q and A. So we'll let our we'll, Dave will start after that, and then we have a couple more. So um, if Blake wants to hop on, and yeah, thanks guys. Blake, I've been talking oh. for like ten minutes. Oh. <laughs> I was like, why isn't anybody acknowledging me? No, um, first of all, thank you, Alexa uh, and Zach for putting this together. This is fantastic, guys. Um, it's pretty remarkable to hear everybody else's experiences and kind of what they go through and how they go through it. Um, I find myself nodding a lot while I'm, I'm sitting here. Um, and it's, it's just, it's refreshing, you know, to, to talk to people that aren't afraid uh, to not only ask the hard questions, um, but to also... Uh, they're not scared to talk about kind of their experiences. And uh, so that's kind of what I want to do today is talk about my experiences, um, how I deal with anxiety and depression and stress and that kind of thing. Uh, 
And so for those of you, I don't know uh, who knows me or who doesn't, um, but I was on uh, The Bachelorette roughly about two years ago. And then I was also on Bachelor in Paradise this last year, um, reality television. And um, we obviously have a few of those around here. And I, they've kind of touched on the anxiety and, and kind of depression that you can get um, from those shows. Uh, but everybody's experience is obviously very different. And um, one of the biggest things I want to say before, you know, I kind of get into it is it's cool to hear how everybody deals with things differently, but I'm not going to sit. everybody deals with things differently. Like I'm not going to sit here and say that what I do or what other, you know, somebody else does might work. Um, so this is just how I dealt kind of with my, my uh, anxiety and depression. But um, basically I uh, finished um, the bachelorette kind of up here, if you will. I was kind of like, um, I don't know. I was like America's, you know, like uh, golden boy, I guess, if you will, coming off of the bachelorette. Um, and so I was, I was at that peak, if you will, of that mountain. And then uh, I went into paradise and I was basically uh, the complete opposite. And um, I was kind of a villain and, um, you know, number one enemy, if you will, enemy number one. And it was incredibly hard for me. It's kind of, it's, it's interesting hearing everybody's different experiences and how some of you, you know, realized early on kind of what anxiety and or depression was. And, and for me, I didn't. And I think Nick kind of touched on this a little bit, but he said, you know, there's a lot of people that, that won't understand or can't understand what you're going through. And that was huge for me because I used to be one of those people. Um, and I hate that I was this, but I used to be one of those people that was, you know, like rub dirt on it, you know, uh, walk it off. Um, don't show your emotions. I was very much that person growing up. And, and in a way I was, I was kind of sheltered. I was in a small town here in, in Colorado, up in the mountains. And I just, I didn't know there were people that exist kind of like Adrian was talking about, like those people that will write those tweets and those people that will comment those. I was, I didn't know that was out there. Uh, and so when I went through my experience, um, in paradise and I was getting, uh, the hate, um, like Ben talked about the hundreds of thousands of uh, messages. Um, and at first they were very negative. You know, I got some death threats, like those kinds of things. And it impacted me. I mean, it would impact everybody, but, um, for me, uh, it was something I, I didn't know how to cope with. I didn't know how to deal with. And I basically was in bed for about two months. Um, I just couldn't, couldn't get out of bed. Like I, I at the time, I, I know Monica and a couple others talked about this, but I couldn't I, I felt so hopeless. I literally couldn't get out of bed. And it was something that was really strange for me. I've always been a very healthy person, somebody who's very physically active. And I remember being in bed and, you know, there'd be pizza boxes next to me and ice cream. And I was just hopeless. And I remember being like, tomorrow, tomorrow, I'm going to get up and I'm going to work out. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to. And then I'd wake up and I just couldn't do it. And I, I couldn't understand why, you know, I just couldn't understand why I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't. I just, I just, yeah, I was just in that dark spot that we've all been in. And I think, you know, actually Ben said something to me that really stuck with me when I was going through all that. And he said, in this moment right now, what you're feeling, you're more relatable than you ever have been. And that stuck with me, you know, because he was like, you know, when you came off the bachelorette, you were up here and nobody can relate to that. But he's like, everybody is at that rock bottom. And that's so true. Now, everybody's rock bottom might be different, but we've all hit that rock bottom. and that's when, you know, I decided, you know, I do need to kind of talk about this. I need to open up a little bit more because every time I seem to talk about it and, you know, people like this in a community like this, they open up about their experiences and then we help each important. You open up about your experience and you help, but even if you don't know it, you're helping the person you're talking to. I remember when I was going through what I was going through, a buddy of mine, I had known since college, 10, 12 years, he invited me over to talk and 
he had been on medication for anxiety and depression for close to six years. And I had no idea, you know, and, and we opened up to each other and it really helped both of us. Um, and that's just an example of hiding what you're feeling, you know, rather than uh, being open and honest about it. Uh, and I guess for me, when I was going through the depression, I was, um, it was the self-care um, that Don talked about. It was the self-care for me. Uh, I was eating horribly. Like I said, I wouldn't get out of bed. Um, I, would, I gained close to 15 pounds, lost a lot of my muscle mass. Like it was, you know, bedridden, if you will. Um, and there was one day, um, and I don't want you to think that, you know, this is going to happen overnight. Like when you're healing, it takes time and you might have a bad day. You have a good day. I still have bad days. Um, but for me, it was one day I, uh, I was the lowest I had been. And I, I, it was to the point where I didn't know I still wanted, you know, to live. And something came over me and, and I walked uh, to Walgreens. I got out of my bed and I walked to Walgreens to get a Gatorade and just the fresh air, um, you know, the sun seeing other people. Um, it gave me this weird, you know, I felt better for the first time in two months and it wasn't way better. It wasn't a lot better, but I could finally see a little bit of light at the end of that tunnel. Um, and so that day, you know, I walked to Walgreens, I walked back maybe half a mile. The next day, you know, I walked around the block. The next day was two blocks, three blocks. I was running a mile. And so slowly but surely, I kind of got back to who I knew I am, who I know I am, who I knew I could be. Um, and so for me, it was more of my health. It was taking care of myself. I started to eat right again. Um, I think it was an eye opener for me what your, you know, physical health, how much if your physical health deteriorates, your mental health will go with it as well. Um, and so that was, that was really hard for me. And it's funny because I tried to talk to people around me about it. Uh, but a lot of people didn't understand, like I said, and it, it's something that, like I said, I always thought was just, you know, rub dirt on it. Um, and it's, it sucks that I, you know, felt that, or I used to feel that way because I remember how, when I had my first panic attack, the, the, uh, second episode, uh, when it dropped, I had my first panic attack, like breathing into a bag, um, laying on the deck, you know, outside trying to catch my breath, telling my mom to call an ambulance. And in that moment, I realized people who have anxiety and depression, like, I want you guys to know you guys are some of the strongest people out there. Like, I, I can't imagine going through that, you know, more than once that that panic attack and then depression is still up and down. But it's incredible how strong people who go through that are and how strong you guys are. Um, that was a real eye opener for me. Um, and then also, you know, one of the ways I healed, obviously, was um, therapy. I was also somebody who didn't believe in therapy. And uh, I think there's a lot of stigma around therapy. And, and you're crazy if you go to therapy. And that's just not the case. And I think especially for men, the stigma around uh, mental health for men, because we're not supposed to show emotion. Um, I just, it took me a couple therapists to find the right one. Uh, but when I found my, the right therapist for me, um, it was incredible. And I still go to her. And now I just, you know, I, sometimes I'll go in there just to chat with her and I, I leave there feeling so much better. And uh, so I definitely recommend, you know, therapy um, and, and self-care and, and being open and honest with the people around you. Um, we're all dealing with something. Uh, and when you open about what you're dealing with, suddenly the person next to you feels brave enough to open about what they're dealing with and you'll end up helping each other. So, um, yeah, that's my, my experience. Through it. Great. Thank you, Blake, for Absolutely. sharing with us. We, it was a great story and you are strong. Good job, Blake. One of us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, oh, sorry. I heard someone say something. Warriors and warriors. 
Yes. <laughs> so true. Um, well, I wanted to first start off just saying thank you to all of our speakers um, that you guys took the time and shared your stories and even the people that shared in our Q&As. Um, we're going to do our last Q&A, so we do have a few more people that um, want to share theirs as well. So we're excited. Um, and just again, thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody that came on, everyone that spoke, just all of you. We're all family, and I'm just so appreciative of all of this. Um, if Dave, if you want us, if you still want to speak, um, we have a list. It'll be Dave, Michelle, Hannah, Blanca, Haley, Sarah, and Lisa. So everyone, I'm Dave. Um, first of all, thank you, Blake, being you were the most recent one to speak. Um, thank you so much for your story and everybody's story. Um, I have a couple questions for one Monica and then Nick as well. And I know it was a while ago, but, um, but I, the, the one thing I wanted to say before that is I'm really proud that, that there's a lot of men speaking about mental health. Um, Blake, you touched on it with the stigma um, surrounding men and mental health. And the fact that you, I mean, like you, Nick, Zach, like, and, and it, that just nothing against the women, but we, there's obviously um, that stigma. And the fact that you're using that platform that you have to talk about it is beautiful. And it's really like, I'm really proud of all of you for that. So seriously, thank you. Um, and so first of all, my question for Monica, um, what, and, and anyone can answer this if you have, a, I don't know. Um, but for, if you, if you know someone, so you, you talked a lot about depression and you right. said, you know, take them to a primary care um, doctor or something like that. How do you get that person to realize that there is a problem and that they need to go to a place like that and and ask for help um what what would your advice be on that it's a good question because if somebody is not really willing to go with you then you end up doing the come on please and i think the best way is to say look i love you and i'm worried about you and i think it's really important to get you to the proper doctor so that you can begin to feel good about yourself. I don't want anything to happen to you. I mean, come at it from, you know, a really personal place. You mean something to me. And depending on who that relationship is, if it's a parent or if it's a close friend, you know, maybe you can um, go through that angle and just say, I, I don't want to lose you. I don't want you to suffer. It's, it's hard to watch you suffer. Please let me get you the help you need because I want you to stay a part of my life. Awesome. That's, a, that's a really good thing to say, Makana. I wanted to add on to that too, that it's also really important for us um, to know that we don't necessarily, like it's, the, it's like the saying, like you can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. So mm -hmm. it's like you can do the best you can. And, and sometimes it's just, you know, it's within them. It's within them whether or not they're willing to get help. So don't take that upon yourself as, oh, I failed. Because it, it can, it, it's really hard, you know? And it's, it's with, it, ultimately, the decision comes down to them and you can help as much as you can, but just know that you're doing your best if you're trying to, you know, get someone to get help with their mental health. Um, but it's not up to you whether that's a successful result or not, if that makes sense. 
Well, the, you can apply that to anything. I mean, the, right. the, yeah. addiction, I mean, how many people have family members that are addicts and, you know, mm-hmm. y- you would do anything to get them to stop. But at a certain point, everybody is responsible as an adult for their own behavior. So right. you can do so much, but at, at a certain point, you're not responsible for another adult's choices. Right. Yeah. Thank you, Monica. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Thank you. Um, and then Nick as well. So you talked a lot about um, like obviously anxiety and your story and things like that. And so you being um, a person who helps others, you being a mental health counselor, who do you go to when you need help? And I'm asking this because for me, I, I you know, I, I try to be that person for people. And then I find that I struggle when it comes to, I need somebody to talk to, who do I turn to? Um, so I was just wondering if you had any advice on that, like what, what your mindset is, what your process is and who you turn to when you need somebody. Okay. That's a good question. So, um, I have been in therapy two different occasions. So, um, if I'm really, really struggling and I'm not feeling like, okay, I guess with myself, um, I will go get therapy immediately. Um, I've found that therapy has been extremely helpful for me. Um, I've been in it, you know, for, I think the first time I was in it for a couple of years and the second time when I was in grad school was about another year or so. Um, being, going to therapy helps me to get my feelings off. I, with my form of anxiety, I I perseverate a lot. I will constantly think of the same thing over and over and over again. So, um, if it's not like too bad, I'll call my friends. I'll call like six different people and I'll just tell them the same damn story over and over again because it helps me get it out. I feel like it just keeps bothering me. I need to tell it so many times so I can just get that feeling out. So luckily I do have a lot of people that, um, I do trust and I'm able to talk to and able to confide in. Um, some people aren't as lucky and blessed to have that. Um, so that does become difficult. Um, but yeah, I, I have to tell my story. If I'm I'm feeling super anxious. I'm telling someone. Um, I, I really don't know any other way way to do it. I need to get what I'm thinking out. If I hold it in, I'll I'll have panic attacks. And luckily, I haven't really had a big one um, in a really in a really long time. But I try to just get whatever I'm feeling out. It needs to get out because it helps me process what's going on. Why am I feeling this? It's just I talk about it. It helps me like things click in my head. Like, oh, okay, is this rational? how likely is this to happen? Why am I thinking this way? And I kind of just process everything as I get out what I'm feeling, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. Love the yeah, shirt as well, by the way. Very true. Ah. <laughs> um, thank, thank you, everyone. Seriously, I'm honored to, to be a part of this. And so thank you to, to everybody. Thank you. Thank you for sharing and asking your questions. Um, next, I think we had Michelle. Sir, Michelle, did you still want to speak? Um, okay. Is Michelle's uh, microphone? You, no, Michelle, you're on mute. Oh, there we go. I gotta unmute myself. I haven't done this for a minute, so I just want to thank everyone for sharing. Like, I can relate to a lot of different things. Um, I mean, my mental health journey started when I was like 11 or 12. Um, it kind of started with a mixture of anxiety and depression and even, yeah, anxiety, depression and anorexia. Like 
I've kind of had mental health problems with about my body, you know, my body's form and whatnot since I was like 11 or 12. So yeah. Um, of course I was able to get help through therapy and with time I was able to have a more like a better feeling about myself. And then it kind of crept back up on me in like 2018 when I had like, there's some change that was going on in my life. And I feel like that change had made me want to like take control of something. So I guess I took control of my body and I just kind of had anorexia and then the depression and the anxiety kind of added on as well. So for me, it's always been like this kind of circle of anxiety, depression, and anorexia at the same time. They kind of fed off on each other. And then, of course, I actually went to my physician thinking, like, I had panic attacks, and I was thinking something else was wrong. I thought, oh my gosh, my heart's having problems, all this stuff. But I went to the doctors, and they're like, no, you're just having depression, you're just having anxiety, you know, there's a lot of change going on in your life, and let's figure this out, you know. So I've had therapy, which has helped a lot. Um, Because there was a time when I was kind of like, what should I do with my life, you know? So between the therapy and kind of figuring out what I'm really passionate about, I decided I'm going to continue with fashion. I'm going to become a style advisor. I'm going to start modeling. So my struggles really helped me to discover more about myself and that I wanted to be more than just working in the children's department, you know, that I wanted to help people as a style advisor. I wanted to help people even now with quarantine, help people with beauty and being an online style advisor. So my struggles really kind of helped me discover who I really am, you know? Yeah. Fashion can do that for you though. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> And it was kind of fashion that started me, like I started, you know, like not being so fashionable. Everyone's like, oh, you're kind of old school, like hippie style. And I'm like, okay. And I felt kind of weird about it. So I wanted to fit in. I wanted to use fashion to help me fit in. But then when I went to college, I decided I wanted to stand out. I was tired of fitting in and being like everyone else. So I started using fashion as a way to express who I really am, you know? That's amazing. Because you don't want to be like anyone else. You want to be yourself. You you have to, I know you have to to love yourself (laughs) and want to be unique, uniquely yourself, you know? I love that. Yes. Don't be like everyone else. People suck. No. (laughs) No, I don't want to be like anyone else. I want to, I want to inspire people and I want to, you know, I struggle like I'm human, but those struggles have made all of us stronger. Like we're stronger people. We're more amazing people because of who we were and what we dealt with, you know, the good and the bad, no? Yes, I couldn't agree more. And our (laughs) yeah, our weaknesses can be our strengths and we can use our anxiety to kind of inspire it sometimes, you know? Very true. Yes. I got to I got to look at your style more. You're on your Instagram. It's so cool. I love fashion. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I try. Um <laughs> I'm kind of obsessed. Like 
I work at Macy's, so I kind of, I kind of shop sometimes. <laughs> Maybe I'm a shopaholic. I don't know. I think that's a good word for it because I do like to shop, but I like to look good too. You know, I like to be fashionable, you know? Yes. And dresses is my main passion and that's the department I work in. I work in dresses and handbags, so oh, they know me yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you it's so just, much. It's fun to look at beautiful dresses and just see people excited about dresses, you know, because they, they want to look good, you know. And then it's nice when they look good and you can tell they feel good. So that makes sense. Yeah, that like that's how I feel about fashion. Like I like helping to, you know, style people. So they feel good about themselves. So they feel polished. So they have a little bit more confidence, you know? Yes. That's, what's, that's what fashion can do for you, you know? I couldn't agree more. And I'm sure most people can agree to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your story. Oh. Of fashion. oh, you're welcome. Thank you for letting me speak my, my, my words. I was so shy. Like, I was so nervous about it. <laughs> well, you're great. <laughs> oh, thank you. No. I get nervous. I'm human. This is uh, a safe here, but I did it. We're all yep. in this together. Thank you, Michelle. Yes, we're all human. We love each other, you know? Yes, well. I agree. Um, I think if Blake is still on, I think he had to. Yeah. Oh, I would yeah. say, yeah, I just wanted to say, uh, yeah, I got to head out, unfortunately, guys. But thank you all so much. Um, that was fantastic. Sorry if I didn't get any your questions, but feel free. I'm on Instagram. And if you want to DM me, uh, send an email. Trust me, I'm here. So uh, thanks again, guys. And Alexa and Zach, thanks so much for setting this up. Guys. Thank you. I really appreciate Bye, it. Blake. Thanks, Blake. Bye, guys. Appreciate it, Blake. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. I think Hannah's next. Hi, everybody. Okay, I'm Hannah. And first off, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing your mental health stories because they're definitely super duper relatable. Um, I actually have had anxiety. Self getting more anxiety nowadays and um, having to deal with like even the littlest anxiety on a daily basis, what are sort of um, healthy coping mechanisms and things you can do to sort of dial down that anxiety that you have on a day-to-day -day basis? Thanks for asking. Oh, one thing I really wanted to say is like how like theater kind of has helped my mental health. Like, um, I realized that like theater, you know, like singing and acting was a part of my passion, but it kind of helped me release some anxiety. Like when I was like doing choir for like two years, like just singing itself just made me feel better, you know, like, or acting, like just kind of being away from the normal, just kind of being creative, it kind of helped me to key into more of a relaxed self, you know? Yeah, and there's been times where I've done like a 90 hour week of rehearsal. And so I've been able to escape oh, wow. like mental health stuff yeah. by going to theater. And like, especially with COVID and dealing with that right now, I can't do that. And so no, like, I find yeah. myself like having these like daily challenges where I'm like, oh, like, why do I have anxiety about like doing this like small task, like even just attending class. And so like, that's sort of like what I, my question was, was like, I really want to know like, sort of like small things I can do to like dial down and try like and ease that day-to-day -day anxiety that I get. 
for me to yeah i definitely suggest music and singing like those are two things that i kind of use as my meditation you know for me three times a week i do taekwondo and i do acting also so it helps me to get my mental health right and get through all the negatives i have i have so and exercise um yes walking whatever way you find enjoyable to work out releases endorphins and endorphins are the feel-good chemical of your brain so that it can counteract some of that anxious anxiety that's going on care of your health making sure you're eating properly um taking deep breaths and trying to just keep things in perspective and i think nick kind of touched upon that before you know just asking yourself what's likelihood this is going to happen versus what you're what you're feeling and just trying to stay grounded um, in your day-to-day stuff and reaching out to people doing events like this you know talking to someone on facetime instead of on the phone so you can see people's faces and just being connected um, can help to minimize a lot of the, the stresses that we're all going through with COVID right now. I want to piggyback also off of what Michelle said with music. Um, it, so for me, I, I mentioned in my question with Nick is, you know, like, what do you do? Like, I, I'm a person who struggles to, to know who to reach out to um, when I need something. And, you know, at the end of the day, people just want to feel that they're understood and that they're heard and things like that. So that's why music for me, when I'm struggling, like, who do I go to, you know, like I have, I have playlists on playlists of just like music that is like, like Juice World's a huge one for me. I mean, I, I you know, like that's, that's just my type of, but I, I feel that type of music and, and it's, it's so helpful because it doesn't, it doesn't need that you have to like tell it to someone necessarily. I mean, it definitely helps, but like, if you don't feel like you have that, just knowing somebody else feels it is amazing. Like it's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, I was just going to say having a creative outlet is something that helps me as well. Um, I write music and stuff and I actually did theater since I was like nine years old. I quit cause I realized I suck at acting. But um, (laughs) what I want to say is, yeah, whenever I want to cope with something, especially now, there's so much negativity in the world right now. There's so much just pain and it's like having something you can do creatively, whether it be like music or theater or exercising, whatever, has been, it's an incredible coping mechanism. I, yeah. Cool. Thanks, guys. Or in my case, listen to podcasts. I was just listening to a couple of Zach's and gets gets me through the day. Ah, yeah, his are good. <laughs> his are good. All right, thanks, guys, for sharing. Um, Blan- Blanca, if you're still on, if you want to share. Um, yeah, I don't know if y'all can hear me, but my, my question was for Blake. So (laughs) I'll save it. I'll save it. So yeah. Oh, sorry about that. (laughs) You're good. Um, is there a Haley? Yeah. Hi everybody. 
Um, it's so awesome to, you know, spend an evening with a community of people that want to spend time talking about something so important. Um, there's so many other things going on. So to take time, you know, to sit and chat and share and hear stories has been really awesome. Um, 2020 has been a very interesting year for everybody. And, um, you know, as somebody that I've been lucky enough to keep my job, um, but, you know, at 25, I'm feeling really like halted in terms of like my growth and what's next. And I think we all just kind of feel on pause. Um, and it's just this like lack of control and this lack of, you know, everything kind of happening around me and me trying to like grasp at straws of like, well, what can I hold on to? What can I control right now? Um, that this time has kind of made me take a step back to, you know, ask myself, well, you're doing all this work, like literal career work and work on your relationships. Are you going to do the work for yourself and sit and think about like what I need and what I need to work on and, you know, what I'm struggling with. So, um, you know, I've been in a little bit of a rut lately, just feeling like I'm on Zoom calls every day for work and feeling like this lack of connection um, that even just things like this are really awesome to, you know, get to know people and hear, hear how everybody kind of handles different situations. Um, but I was actually going to ask Zach a question. Um, in, a, in your job, you know, being a life coach, your day-to-day -day is literally being there for other people. And I think lately I've been feeling like, well, how do I show up for myself? So I, you know, kind of wanted to ask you, like, in an occupation where your job is literally to show up for other people and to, to be there, how do you show up for yourself in a time when we're just kind of feeling like, you know, what do we have to hold on to right now? Yeah, thank, first of all, thanks so much for coming. I appreciate the kind words. And to answer your question, you know, I have an obligation and responsibility to myself to step into the greatest version of myself each and every single day and finding myself first. And if I wasn't focusing on my own mental health and focusing on how I can be the best brother, the best son, the best grandson, the best role model, whatever I have to be, and, and not saying that I'm the best, but as long as I'm getting better, I'm stepping into that person. And you know, if I wasn't that person, I wouldn't be able to help other people. So that's why I stress a lot to everyone on here and everyone that's involved with the mental health collection that you know we have to be mentally strong ourselves so we can be that person that can support the people that we love and care around us. And um, you know, like none of us are perfect at, at all. I'm especially not perfect. And you know, having that awareness and being super uh, intentional and proactive about continuing to nurture my mental health is what keeps me strong. You know, because at the end of the day, there's, there's no finish line in life. There's no destination. It's a constant journey. It's a constant challenge. It's a constant practice. We can't succeed and we can't fail. We're kind of just in the middle. And being present along the journey and along the way is what, like, keeps me grounded. Um, I don't know, does that answer your question? No, that that definitely helps. It's it's so important to like be there for yourself before putting all your energy into other into other outlets. I feel like lately I've been like just trying to exert all my energy into like being there at work and making sure I'm present at work and making sure I'm present here for my family and for my friends and staying connected and not falling off you know, the wagon with, you know, 2020 and you know, keeping up my relationships. And then I was like, wait, I'm not even like pausing to, you know, take care of myself. Where is this energy coming from? And I've just been feeling depleted and anxious. So that helps a lot. Yeah. Be a, be a little more selfish for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
we underestimate how important it is to really like at times, you know, we have to look out for ourselves. We have to be selfish for a little bit sometimes. That was an amazing question. So thank you, Haley. And that was a great answer, <laughs> Zach. Um, we're on to our last two. Um, we're going to go with Sarah followed by Lisa. Is Sarah still on? Yes. See her. Hello. Oh, hi. <laughs> hi. Yes. Um, my question is just for everybody. Um, how do you guys deal with like anxiety in like social settings? Because I have a problem with that. That's a good question. How to deal with anxiety in social settings? I think everyone deals with it differently. You know, but for me, it's uh, transcending consciousness. And what I mean by that is being aware of that inner voice in your head. You know, you walk into a social setting and you feel like people are looking at your shoes or you feel self-conscious. Like those thoughts in your head are just your thoughts and you are you and you're not your thoughts. And, you know, objectifying that inner voice as someone else and being able to separate and disidentify from that, your ego, what people call it, you're able to like really live your spirit and be present right here, right now. But, um, you know, I'm sure we can all give our own take on how to deal with anxiety in social settings. But if you want to talk to Dawn or Monica or, or someone else, if they have some good answers, I'm sure one of them can answer the question. I would love to share, um, if that's okay with everyone else. Quick said. Um, I really agreed with what Zach said about the fact that like, yeah, you are not your thoughts. Your thoughts are like 90% subconscious. So your conscious thoughts are what you consciously tell your brain. So I think an important thing for me um, with my confidence specifically was affirmation. So just kind of repeating to yourself, like I am strong, I am confident, I am, you know, whatever it is that, that you need to tell yourself. And also in, in social settings, like everyone will like mess up or feel self-conscious at times. And I think it's easy. It's so much easier said than done to just be like, oh, just don't care. Just don't worry about what people say. But once you kind of accept the fact that, okay, like, you know what? Some, some people are going to judge me and some people are not going to judge me and some people are going to love me. And I just have to be myself. And that's all I can do about it. Can I jump in? And just give my take. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, um, I suffer from social anxiety um, and it's been really, it's gotten so much better, but it used to be really bad. Um, like to the point where like, I don't know if this is TMI, but I used to get UTIs all the time growing up because it was like so much, it, it would like freak me out to get up and go to the bathroom. And like, it's not like bathroom fright. It's like the fact that I have to get up and walk like up from wherever it is that I was sitting and walking in front of people. Like it was just like little things like that. Um, but for me, honestly, what's helped me is therapy and medication. And I know, you know, not, it doesn't work for everyone or some people, you know, will go the natural route. But for me, honestly, that's what helped me. So, Yeah. I um, just find a friend who, who I can talk to and then that way my anxiety or my like depression 
if they if I talk to somebody like a friend who I can confide in, it gets I'm through today. I I talked to somebody. All right, thanks. And and I also think that just like we were talking about having an exit plan, maybe having an entrance plan. You know, think about how you're going to handle it, where you're going to go. Maybe you'll bring someone with you. Um, maybe you'll find one person in the room that you can focus in and, and try to start a conversation with, and then other people come over and, and you know, will calm you down a little bit. So the, just think about it a little bit in advance. I, I would ask you, what is it, where is your fear coming from? Are you, are you afraid? I guess I'm just, like, afraid of, like, people, like, in my mind, I think people are judging me, and then, like, I feel like they're just all, like, looking at me, and, like, yeah, I don't know. Okay, so need those like these programs that you have in your mind that may not actually be happening, but there's the programs that you're telling yourself. So um, maybe if you replace those programs with these people may want to meet me. These people may be looking forward to me, meeting me. Why am I thinking the negative when it could be the positive? So, you know, just reprogram your way of thinking is also something that can help. Yeah, and I actually, um, I'm an only child and I've been told like I'm an old soul. So I actually do really well with adults and I always have like way more than people my own age. And I've actually in high school, college, even for a while, I would be like nervous to go somewhere because I get scared that I'm annoying somebody or that I'm a bother to someone. So I always used to love being with my like parents, friends more than I liked my own sometimes because it was scary when you're unsure or when you're like, feel like you don't fit in. Yeah, yep. <laughs> so I got you, but you're worth it and you're beautiful and you're awesome. You are awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, um, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Okay, uh, sorry, I, I'm on my phone right now, so sometimes it's hard for me to see if the body language of if, if you jumped out so I'm sorry that I cut you off my name's James um, I just want to say hi to everybody um, thank thank you for putting this together I uh, as you guys were speaking about um, anxiety and specifically like social anxiety um, I wanted to share um, something that that I've been learning just this week um, about that I'm I'm reading this book called um, mind over mood um, I just thrown it out there because I really like it so far um, and it actually gave an example of, of social anxiety where um, maybe someone's feeling, um, basically the, the example was that uh, depending upon how you interpret the other person, um, you're gonna have a thought associated with that feeling uh, that could tr then trigger your response, right? Um, and so if you think this person doesn't like you because maybe their, their, eye, their body language, their eyes are, are looking elsewhere, and you, and you interpret it as that they don't like you, you're gonna, you might start feeding into that feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm being judged. But another person might think that, um, that oh, they're, maybe they're nervous. And then all of a sudden we, that thought of, oh, maybe they're nervous triggers um, compassion, right? And so something that I'm learning right now is thought monitoring, where if I start getting nervous about something, I 
can ask myself, okay, am I making an assumption here? Or am I, let me break down where, where this is coming from. Um, and that internal dialogue myself or um, a close friend that, that's like someone in my corner that I trust. That's, those are two strategies that for me that have, that have helped me um, when I'm experiencing anxiety. So just wanted to share that since it seemed applicable. Thank you, James. Thanks, James. Um, did anyone else have anything they wanted to add in this part of the conversation before we move on to our last one? All right, Lisa, if you're on, feel free. Hey there. Um, first of all, I just wanted to say I'm just incredibly proud of all these strangers that have <laughs> together and shared. It's uh, it's pretty deep stuff. And I, I think it's absolutely terrific. And I think you're all very, very brave. Um, for myself, I think I was probably born a blob of anxiety. And it went undiagnosed for most of my life. And Monica had touched on different phases of life. I'm in the phase of life now where I'm pretty much exclusively responsible for two 88-year-old moms who live two miles away and two elderly dogs who I adore. And I'm sort of looking into the future when I should really just be enjoying every moment of having them here. But um, mine has manifested in a way that maybe even the health professionals have never heard of. I have a situation called, and every time I say it out loud, it makes me laugh, globus hystericus. And what that is, it can be caused by reflux and it can be caused by stress. And the two feed off of each other. If you have reflux and you're stressed, your reflux gets worse. And what globus is, is it's actually a situation in your throat where you have excessive swelling around trachea, esophagus. And um, the way it manifests for me is I clear my throat on a bad day. I would probably say 30 to 40 times a minute and it makes you want to jump out of your skin. I've had tremendous pain in my life, which has really brought Alexa and I together because my pain has always been silent. And I would take a lot of that pain back, including being in a wheelchair, to the way that this makes me feel. I've watched videos of young people, like Alexa's age, who have had it for five months and talk about having suicidal fantasies. I've had this for five and a half years and it's, it's rough stuff. Um, I've been to every kind of doctor and the way I am helping myself is I am working with, a, with hypnosis. I would like to start in therapy. My youngest son says, mom, therapy is it. You would be terrific in therapy. Um, nature really helps me a ton. I go to Kensington Park and I talk to the sand cranes and they're very good therapists. 
And um, working with the homeless has been huge for me because if you ever want to worry about, or for I should say forget about your own problems, check out what's going on in the streets. Talk about addiction. Oh my goodness. Another long story. But um, I just think this has been amazing tonight. I, I don't know if they're still on, but are two people who are on the spectrum. Oh my goodness. I just, I'm blown away. I'm absolutely blown away. So to our host and hostess with the mostest, thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, for me to stay awake or at least not even get ready for bed at 10 o'clock, <laughs> you have had this lady right here, the one making the heart. <laughs> You have won my heart tonight. That's all I Lisa. I think you're incredible and badass with your with your martial arts belt. I trained in martial arts for years. Look at that. Can I get a close up of that? Oh my god. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Be very proud of yourself. Thank you. You are spectacular. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> well, thank you guys all so much. Um, I could literally cry. Like, that's how amazing tonight went. I'm so impressed with everybody from all of our speakers to just each and every one of you. Thank you for sharing your stories. Um, we are going to have another one December 3rd, I think it is. It's the first Thursday. Um, of December. So I think it's the third. Uh, we don't know our exact topic or anything yet, but feel free to just keep that date in mind and we'll send another um, some more information out when it gets a little closer. But again, we're going to have a platform like this. So we want you all to speak, whoever feels comfortable. Um, and yeah, so thank you guys. Um, it just really means a lot. Like, I think it's going to take me a day to like really get the magnitude of everything we've done tonight. So thanks guys. Thank you for inviting Thank me you. to be a part of it, Alexa. I'm I along with Lisa am blown away by your your talents, your drive, your resilience. And although I know a lot of it is genetic, a lot of it is on your own. And uh, <laughs> I'm I'm honored to be a part of this. So thank you for Thank having you. Me. Have a good night guys and we'll keep in touch. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys. Bye guys. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye Alexa. Bye Zach. Bye. Bye, Bye Michelle. <laughs> Bye. Bye John Boy. Bye John Boy.